Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Today, we're going to talk about the risks and benefits to dogs. This one can be a little tricky because dogs are pretty much outside all the time. Whether they're on a leash, whether they're playing with their people, whether they're in a dog park, what are some of the risks that people don't seem to realize are risks but actually are for a dog? Well, I think the biggest one is is the dog parks because when they're on a leash we we have much more control of them and we can decide what whether they're going to interact with something or someone or not mm-hmm. when they're in a dog park we don't have as much control over them and there's different things that they can encounter in a dog park they could encounter rivers or lakes they could encounter wildlife they can encounter other dogs. And there's, again, the the health risks, potential illnesses that they could acquire depending on where they go. Yeah. Scary out there. But so, yeah. so what about the waters? Because I have heard a lot of stories about animals in dog parks or just out hiking with their owners who go into the water and all of a sudden they come back and they're like they're either super sick or they die within a couple of days what's that about what is some of the things that we need to pay attention to with that well in that respect that is more when they have contact with water that is stagnant okay. so water that is stagnant it could have like we sort of mentioned with the with the cats, it could have contaminated feces in it that mm-hmm. could make them sick. There's illnesses like leptospirosis and giardia that they could acquire. This could make them really sick. And you can get vaccines for leptospirosis. Uh, it's not, well, depending on where it is you live, in some cases it's a recommended vaccine and other places it's not. So if you live in a place where it's not recommended and you travel someplace where leptospirosis might be an issue, then your animal could, your dog could get infected by it. So this is more like for maybe small ponds, puddles, Right. Would lakes be part of that too? I would say lakes are a possibility because they are still an enclosed body of water. So the water's mm-hmm. not flowing. It's not fre- constantly fresh water. But the risk is probably lower just because of the fact that it is a much larger body of water. Gotcha. So yeah, I would say the puddles are probably the much higher risk. So it's much more of a concern for, let's say, if you are taking your dog there after it's rained, because there's going to be a lot of puddles. Mm. And, and runoff. Yeah, runoff from other yeah. places. Yeah. And then as well, because when a lot of people take their dogs to the park, they often don't end up cleaning up, picking up after their dogs. So there's probably going to be feces all over the place. Plus, you could end up having wildlife feces on top of that as well. So there's a fairly high risk there. Yeah. But rivers are also a high risk, not so much for the disease, 
But because rivers can flow at different rates, they can be high, they could be low. And we might think that our dogs are really good swimmers. But if you've got a very fast flowing river, that river can overpower them really, really quickly. Mm, Scary. And there's undercurrents too. It's not just the top current. There's undercurrents. Right. It's important to look into what is going on with the river. You know, if there, I'm, I'm pretty sure that cities would have information on whether or not the, the river is particularly fast or not, or particularly high. In those cases, that is a good indication to not let your dog go into the river. Yeah. And then you might even have those little those little pools that come in where the water gets stagnant, you know, like if it goes around the edges of the, oh, yeah. the river, that might mm-hmm. cause a problem too with what we were talking about before, wouldn't it? If it, that water is not flowing as often? It's possible. I'm not sure if the risk is as high, but it's, it's, okay. it's still a possibility. It's good to keep in mind. It's, I yeah. mean, it really is because you never know. Again, mm-hmm. we already saw how I think the outdoors are really scary. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's scary for animals too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and with a lot of dog parks too, there's usually a lot of nature around a lot of treed areas mm-hmm. that could encourage other wildlife like coyotes and I don't know what other, depending on where you live, on what kind of wildlife you could encounter. But I know here where I live, coyotes are definitely a big issue. And if you've got a smaller dog, then your small dog could be fair game for a coyote. Yeah. They're not likely to try to attack a large dog so much, but then they do hunt and pass. So oh, yeah. One large dog against, you know, 10 coyotes, uh, one large dog yeah. is not going to make it. Yeah. So if if you don't have control over them and you're not keeping them in your sight, then that's another thing to be aware of. Yeah. And then you and have then, other dogs too, right? You have like right. other people's dogs that may not be socialized properly. And, exactly. You know, they think that, oh, it's my dog. I'm going to go to log dog park and I'm not going to worry about anybody else's dogs. And you get problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's like a real key thing is that you want to make sure your dogs are trained properly. So it's a good idea to have recall training, meaning Mm -hmm. that you have a certain word or a certain phrase that you say that your dog comes back to you without question when you say that. Mm. And I can't remember what the word is, but I know that. Oh, I, I, I think it was actually just call your dog. This is what I heard one trainer say was that just use the word, the phrase, call your dog and shout it out because this alerts other people with their dogs as well. Like, oh, why, why, what's going on? You know, and if there's a problem with the wildlife or maybe an aggressive dog or something like that, then that alerts other people to, to bring their dogs back to them as well, which can Good help point. protect them as well. Yeah. So if you can train your dogs really well to obey a command like that, you know, because it doesn't necessarily have to be an animal that attacks. 
It could be something like a skunk or a porcupine where, well, I guess it is kind of an attack, but it's not like a... It's a, more of a, it's a defensive attack. Yeah. But if you know, if you are able to see that something like that is going to happen, or you just happen to see that a skunk or a porcupine is in the area, then you can call your dog back to you before anything happens. Yeah. And I have seen the damage a porcupine can do to a dog. I oh, lived yeah. on a fa- I lived on a farm for about 10 years and my neighbors they have, you know, they have coon hounds and, you know, to help for the farm. You know, they'd mm-hmm. go up and help them bring down the cows and <clears throat> be the farm dog. And mm-hmm. at least once a year, it seemed, for one of the dogs that they had, at least once a year he would come back with a mouthful of porcupine quills. Hmm. The most horrifying, painful thing I'd ever witnessed mm-hmm. is to see a dog with a face full of porcupine quills. Mm-hmm. The porcupines aren't doing it to be mean. They're just doing it to protect themselves because a the dog wants to play or a dog is bred to be a hunter. And that's that animal's defense. But, oh, my goodness, the vet bills, the vet bills. It's it's mm-hmm. crazy. And, of course, the skunk being sprayed by a skunk, that may not, you know, be a trip to a vet per se, but it burns. It burns. Mm-hmm. It's made to burn the eyes the and all of the, the mucous membranes, you know, mm-hmm. to, as a great warning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to interacting with other dogs, you have to keep in mind that there's different sizes of dogs. You know, if you've got a Chihuahua running loose around on a dog park, and then you've got a Great Dane, I always tend to use those extremes, but (laughs) so do I. Because it's an obvious extreme, you know? Right. But if you've got like those two sort of different sizes running around and they interact with each other, they may not have the intention to to harm each other in any way. But little dogs can also often have the attitude of a big dog and think <laughs> that they, you know, do more or be more than what they are. Yeah. And I'm a big boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm four pounds. <laughs> right. And so you could end up having your little dog trampled and injured in some way from a big dog just because they're simply trying to interact with each other. Yeah. So if you have it in a controlled environment, it's a little bit different because you're right there and you can stop things if things seem to be getting a little too wild or or something. But in the dog park, things can happen so quickly and you could be too far away to stop them from doing from yeah. things progressing in a, in a negative way. Absolutely. Yeah. Not to mention that you could get dog bites and stuff like that because you could have any end up having domination issues and, and whatnot as well. Yeah. That's a really good point because there are some dogs that just are not socialized or they may be socialized to a point, but then something happens and they snap, mm-hmm. you know, because they're, they have some type of trauma or uh, some type of fear, which all trauma is, a, it's all based in fear. Any reaction from that is, it's, it's all based in fear. So if the dog had an experience sometime in its life and another dog just reminded them of that, they may snap and then mm-hmm. you got to fight. 
And even though your dog may be the sweetest thing on the planet, every dog has got to switch. And that's a good thing to remember, especially when you're in a dog park with lots of other dogs, that every Mm -hmm. dog's got to switch and something might happen and it can be for the moment, like not even expected. Mm-hmm. And and this is not to say that you should avoid taking your dogs to a dog park. It's, it is a great place for them. They get to run around freely and burn off a lot of energy. There's a lot of enrichment for them. It's great for them to be able to socialize with those dogs who are willing to socialize with them. But you need to be aware of the risks that are involved as well. Yeah, I think that's the key word, aware. Just be aware. Mm-hmm. Be prepared. Expect things that may never happen, but it, but understand that it could. Mm-hmm. And having that awareness can allow you to protect your dog at the best of your ability. You can't protect them from everything, but at least you can mitigate some of the, the random things if they would have come in contact with if you were not paying attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's important to make sure that they've had the proper training. So even though you don't have control over other people's dogs, especially having that recall training will help reduce conflicts with other dogs if you're able to to get your dog to come back to you yeah. if you notice that there's any issues. And that's a really important thing. And and then just being aware of your surroundings and what could potentially happen and checking the vaccines. Now, I know vaccines can be kind of a controversial issue for people, but just being aware that if if you choose not to get the vaccines done, then there is that risk of them getting sick from being in contact with other dogs, as well as getting in contact with stagnant water and wildlife and that type of thing as well. Yeah. And another thing that I uh, just want to bring in with dogs, because this does not affect cats, it only affects dogs, is Lyme disease. Mm. So if you live in an area that's got a high tick population and Lyme disease is very prevalent, your dog is susceptible to Lyme disease. And if you don't have the proper vaccinations for that or the proper protocols after you're done playing outside, they can pick up a tick and they can end up getting very sick. And unless it's an obvious thing, it might take you a little while to figure out what's making your dog sick. Right. So that's another one of the health risks that I think is really important for dogs is the mm-hmm. Lyme disease risk. Mm-hmm. And some illnesses there is treatment for and some there isn't really. Yeah. So do what you can to keep your animals safe, people. I, I know <laughs> it sounds like a lot. We talk about a lot of things, but you know, you're bringing a life into your home. You're bringing a life that you are responsible for into your home. And so you have to take the precautions necessary to keep those animals safe, especially when they're outside of your home. There are lots of stuff that we've talked about inside of your home, but outside of your home, you have very little control of what's out there. So the one thing you can control is your behavior and the training of your animal. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are some of you out there that might feel you want to walk your, let your dogs off leash in your neighborhood, because maybe in your mind, you feel you've trained your dog well enough that they are safe, you know, that it's it's fine to let them off leash in the neighborhood. I think in most cases, it doesn't matter. It's still considered illegal. 
to do that. So you do mm-hmm. run the risk of getting a fine. But on top of that, even if you have a fairly well-trained dog, there's still that risk that they maybe see a rabbit across the road or a cat across the road or something like that. And it gets them excited and they just suddenly dash across the road to it you know at the same time a car is coming exactly (laughs) and it probably is going to happen so quickly that you're not going to be able to call them back in time yeah yeah i i actually have a very big soapbox about off leash i don't honestly and i'm just gonna say it i don't care if you think your dog is totally disciplined and totally trained Do not take your dog off leash in public areas. Just don't. You have no idea what's going to happen. What if that dog gets startled and scared? I mean, you don't know. What if out of nowhere, you're walking past somebody's house and somebody didn't lock their gate and their aggressive dog comes running after your dog? What are you going to do? The dog's Mm -hmm. not attached to you. You have no control. Right. All right. I'm getting off now. (laughs) I'm just going to add to that too, that, you know, you have to also consider other people who are walking in the area. Not everybody is comfortable with dogs. Some have a great fear of dogs for, you know, whatever the reason might be. Yeah. And they are really not going to appreciate if your dog comes up to them. So it's always, whether your dog is on a leash or not, It's always a good idea to keep control of your dog and not let them approach somebody unless they have indicated that they're okay with it. Very good point. Yeah, because my whole, I mean, I'm not anymore, but when I was a kid, I was attacked by like three different dogs. I was petrified, petrified of dogs. And anytime a dog would come close to me, it would like be tears. I mean, I literally Hmm. would freeze in fear. That's a real thing. And that some people don't get over that. Mm-hmm. It's a scary thing for some people. So yeah, don't let your dogs just go right up to people. That's not, that's not safe for your dog. I'm just going to add on to that on the other side of that. Don't just go up to somebody's dog either. <laughs> Good. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No, don't. Don't. Always ask the dog owner if, number one, is he friendly? Number two, can I pet him? And then once you make that that ask, then you need to ask the dog. And the dog needs to smell you a little bit first. Don't just go mm-hmm. right in with your hand and pet the dog's head without letting the dog have the opportunity to accept you. Because that's when you're going to get mm-hmm. bit. And a dog that is fearful will bite. It will snap. It's that switch. Every dog's got a switch. Who wants that litigation on your hands? Who wants to? I mean, there's so many people out there that are Sue friendly, as in like lawyer friendly, that if your dog does Mm, something because of what they did, they will sue you and you could lose your dog. Right. Don't ever walk up to a dog and just randomly pet them. Don't ever let your dog just go up to a random person. It's just, it's good pet ownership to keep that control and and make sure your your dog is safe and then other people are safe at the same time. Mm -hmm. So the last part that I want to bring up as an outdoor risk for dogs is 
there are some dogs where their pet parents decide to have them live outside. And there are some dogs where it's maybe better for them because they were bred for a mm -hmm. cold climate. So living inside might be too warm for them, but you need to make sure you got the appropriate outdoor shelter and house. And that's not them. just a little tiny Again, dog house that, you know, it's got to be a shelter, yeah. something that they can feel safe in, that the wind's not going to blow over, that's not mm -hmm. like tiny, too right. tiny for them, has maybe some mm -hmm. type of insulation that they can go in and get out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the two things that I want to make as a key component is that one, the bedding that you put in there, it should be something that does not absorb moisture. It needs to be able to stay yes. dry. So you could have straw or hay or something like that on there. And then you could have like a blanket or a pet bed or something on top of that. But you need to check it regularly. Don't just assume that it's staying dry all the time. You need to make sure that you're checking it and make sure that it, it's clean. It's because even if it does get damp a little bit, it could end up ending up with um, some mold or something on it. So even though it may not make your pet cold because of moisture, it could end up making them sick because it develops some mold on it or something. So that is, that's an important aspect. The other aspect is their mm. water dish. The water needs to be constantly at a warm enough temperature. So you don't want any ice forming on it. It should never get that cold. There are products that you can get that a water bowl can sit in and it keeps the water somewhat heated, you know, just to make sure that you change that. Check it regularly just to make sure that it isn't getting too cold because they they need to have that constant fresh water for them available and clean decent temperature and clean probably going to be a little <laughs> bit dirtier than an indoor dog if they play in their water or i mean literally you're gonna have to pay attention if you have a dog let's say you have a big giant like husky that loves the cold and loves to be outdoors and there are those dogs out there that are like that that does not mean you just let them live out there and you don't spend time with them and that you don't monitor mm -hmm. every aspect of their living situation. You have to take the responsibility and the accountability to make sure that dog is happy and healthy, whether they're indoor or out. It's not, oh, just put them in the backyard mm -hmm. with a doghouse and a heated bowl and have no human interaction that's not good for them as well. Mm -hmm. No, they still need to be taken for walks and they still need to have that that bonding time with you. And if it gets too, too, too cold, even a husky would like a nice warm house. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> they don't want to be out there when it's negative 20. <laughs> mm -hmm. So one of the things that you can do, this is more for taking dogs to the dog park. But it's a good idea to, to know about it in any situation. It's having first aid knowledge. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> we all need that. <laughs> Whether you have a cat or a dog, you need to know first aid prep for your animals. Mm -hmm. One thing that I think is a really good idea is to create, well, buy or create a pet first aid kit 
that you can create in like a fanny pack sort of form so that you can have it on you when you take your dog to the dog park, because then you've got it readily available. You don't want to leave it in the car. You want to have it on you so you can deal with the situation immediately. Now, there might be some things that you might leave in the car, like, because it's a good idea to have like a, a blanket that if they're too injured to walk, that you can put them in there to carry them. So you may need to keep that in your vehicle if you have a vehicle, but you could also consider having a backpack on you as well. So you can carry some of those slightly bigger items as well. A lot of the things that you would put in a pet first aid kit is very similar to what you would find in a human first aid kit, but there are some additional items that are more specific to animals. And there are first aid courses that you can take so you can learn how to give first aid to your pet because it could take 20, 30 minutes or more before you can get them to a vet. And if the situation is serious enough, that might be too long. So you want to be able to do what you can to help them uh, in the interim. And one of the key things, like especially if you're animal has encountered poison, I highly, highly recommend contacting the animal poison control. And there's a few different numbers. There's not just one that is exclusive for everywhere. So you can, you can easily Google it and get the phone number, but contact one of those animal poison control places and get information on how to deal with different poisonings because there are different products you can use that can help to induce vomiting or different results like that. But if you don't know how to give these products properly, or if you don't know the right procedure on dealing with it, you could make things a lot worse. So it's a good idea to get that knowledge. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. What would be a really great thing, uh, we do have a Facebook community called the Animal Files Community. We are going to be pushing up some resources. And I think having a great first aid little flyer in the group would be a great, great, great opportunity. So we're going to put that up in the Facebook community. So if you haven't already... Go to facebook.com slash groups slash T-A-F community and join us. And hopefully we'll have those resources for you Mm -hmm. there because knowledge is power. Come on over. We're going to be building that out for you. Mm -hmm. And it's a place that you can go. It's your opportunity to tell us about what you want to hear about. You can suggest future topics for us and you can ask your questions. So before we close for today, is there any last minute things that you would like to talk about real quick? I think we covered a lot, but I'm not sure if there's anything. I Yeah, I think just... In terms of the the health considerations, another good thing to become aware of is what is normal for your animal? How do they normally behave? How do they normally act? How, you know, what is their normal appetite and that type of thing? Because then if something happens and because they're, they don't tend to tell, you know, they usually try to hide anything that might be wrong with them. So if we can recognize that something's not quite right with them, 
then we have a better chance of being able to to deal with it before it gets too serious or more or more serious. Sometimes we may not know until like a day or two after the fact. You know, some things will be immediate, mm-hmm. but there there may be some parasites that they can pick up that you may not know for like 24 hours. So understanding mm-hmm. the before and after and understanding how your dog naturally is and how your cat naturally is behavior-wise, energy-wise, appetite-wise, it'll help you be aware of when there's an issue. That's right. a really great point. I like that. So yeah, pay attention to your animal before, mm-hmm. during, and after. Your animal is relying on you to keep it safe. Your animal Mm -hmm. is relying on you to provide it with that soft place to fall and that safety and shelter from the scariness of the outside world. I hope we didn't scare you too much. I know I am really afraid of the outside when it comes to my animals. (laughs) And I think that came through pretty strong, but we don't want you to be petrified of bringing your animal outside. We don't want you to, to all of a sudden just change everything about what you're doing. But what we want you to do is take what we've told you and taught you and shown you and bring it into your life to make the best choices, to keep the animal as safe as possible. There are things that we cannot control, but there's an awful lot that we can. Hopefully you can make those choices and you can make the adjustments and the shifts that you need to help your animals live long, healthy, happy lives. That's all we want for you guys. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sticking with us all the way through. Again, apologies if we scared you out of your pants. So have an incredible week and we will see you. Bye for now. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.